you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins, here in the studio with me today. And this is his second trip here to WRVH, I believe, or second interview with David, interviewed you a while mm-hmm. back. But uh, so your second interview with someone here, but I heard such great things. I said, oh, my God, this guy needs to come in the studio. <laughs> so I have Chris Noble with Piety and Desire Chocolate. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm good. How are you? Very well. So you make something that is very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> my listeners out there know that every day... I started a new diet, mm-hmm. and since I saw your ice chest that you brought in with you, um, my diet will start tomorrow. Okay, excellent. Yeah, you can always hit that reset. <laughs> Not, I can always hit that reset because, you know, everybody likes to start things. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, I, you know, just the topic of chocolate, hmm. you know, there's something about it. It makes people happy. It makes people smile. It's delicious, yeah. and it seems to be kind of across the board, people love it. And, mm. and if you find a chocolate hater, they probably hate other things besides chocolate, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And it wasn't really until I started a chocolate company that I started meeting people that didn't so like So you chocolate. met real chocolate haters? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, and some uh, supposedly have an allergy, um, okay. uh, which is usually more an allergy to an ingredient in there, but it's um, a whole other subject. Uh, and then there are a few that don't. Uh, but luckily, since we actually manufacture all our own chocolate, uh, we even make white chocolate. And so they're usually pleased with that. So even the chocolate haters get something in my shop. Yeah. Well, I, chocolate haters out there, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> um, we'd like to bring you to the to the other side mm-hmm. one day. But, you know, I'm, I'm a beet hater, so I'm sure the beet <laughs> lovers out there are like, oh, you need to come to our side, too. <laughs> so, That's right. And, and I've heard that chocolate and beets have gone together in some things, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I got a little something in R&D myself. But. Well, mm-hmm. so let's talk about this, because you said, you know, you manufacture the chocolate. Mm-hmm. And you know, so many times I'll talk to people, and they may get chocolate from other places. They're more... They're creating confections, sure. but they're not necessarily creating the chocolate. Right. So what is the difference in that process? Yeah, well, we're doing it all. So we do that process as well, but we're doing it with chocolate that we actually manufacture ourselves. Um, so that's a whole other process in and of itself, obviously. And it starts off as being a curator of cacao with character. Um and I like that. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone loves, loves alliteration, right? You know, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we actually seek out, you know, some of the best cacao in the world. Um, they're visiting farms and fermentation centers um, or going with some industry standards um, in the craft chocolate world. Um, and then ethically and sustainably sourcing those ingredients, you know, making sure that the farmers and cooperatives are paid uh, enough for what they're actually doing, um, as well as supporting uh, farmers that have more uh, ecologically sustainable practices, things that are more like permaculture-based, rebuilding the rainforest as opposed to, um, you know, clear-cutting the rainforest Absolutely. for agriculture. So, yeah. Well, so do you get to travel and, like, so, I do. so where yes. are some of the In cool theory, places? The past, <laughs> the past year I've been so busy, I'm so jealous of my past life Where when I was first starting the business and actually went and visited some of these farms and fermentation centers. So where are some of the places mm-hmm. that you've gone and you've researched? Let's see, uh, Costa Rica and Nicaragua. 
Philippines and Vietnam. So do you find that the flavor profile of the chocolate that you make is very different depending upon, you know, where you're sourcing your ingredients? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and again, that's why I kind of started off by saying like, oh, well, I'm a curator because that's a big part of what I do is first of all, selecting, you know, the right ingredients, just like you as a chef, you know, work with your local purveyors and, you know, the best ingredients make the best food. Uh, same with cacao. Um, and, you know, the differences, uh, they, they're owed to a number of things, uh, genetics, uh, and then actual terroir, um, which would be not only just like the soil and microclimates, but um, like the actual, uh, uh, you know, fermentation uh, that happens there, you know, happens for a reason because of those, you know, different bacteria and yeast and stuff around. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty fascinating uh, the way that all those natural and unnatural, because then, you know, uh, uh, people have a hand in the process yes. of fermentation and drying. Uh, so how those interact with each other, the nature versus nurture debate, you know. Is time. there like a certain like ideal climate for growing cacao? Like, is there oh, a yeah. reason why certain places have it? But like here mm -hmm. in South Louisiana, I haven't heard of anybody growing their own. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most all cacao grows uh, between 20 degrees above and below the equator. Ah, um, so that's the secret. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh -huh. uh, I think actually Hawaii might be just above 20. Hawaii is actually like the North Pole for cacao, actually. Um, but it can grow there. Um, and yeah. And so it needs that kind of that tropical oh, yeah. moisture, mm -hmm. the right amount of warmth. Yeah, it would Not love freezing. No, it would love New Orleans like you know nine months out of the year. <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> just we get like into the winter. rest of us, right? right. <laughs> yeah, and then when it gets into winter, it's a little too much, you know. But uh, you grow in a greenhouse. Yeah. yeah. Well, so how did a guy who grew up in a place where things melt at room temperature <laughs> decide to get in? to chocolate you know yeah. you're a new orleans guy you're mm -hmm. not into like you didn't start a seafood company right. uh, this mm -hmm. or that so why chocolate well uh i've always loved chocolate and growing up here i've always had like cooking jobs you know going back to you know high school and college um uh just to you know pay bills and stuff and so yeah that love of cooking and love of chocolate kind of met um especially when I found out that uh, uh, I've always enjoyed the intersection of art and science, mm -hmm. uh, which is a big part of chocolate making and confection making. Um, so, yeah. So, I was just gonna so as far as has your family always been in the food business? Was it something you grew up around food? Or? Uh, in a way, yeah. Uh, I have a pretty interesting kind of food history with New Orleans and my family, I guess. Um my uh, great great grandfather came here on the Sicilian wave, you know, um, chasing some girl with a, a bulb of garlic in his pocket, you know, <laughs> about it. And you know, like most of the the old story, right? right? The old story, chasing a girl with garlic. Uh, and you know, like most of the Sicilians at that time, you know, started out like working on the docks and in the, uh, in the French market, you know, and hustling fruit in the quarter. Until he eventually, you know, had his own cart and then had his own little, like, corner grocery store, uh, which is actually uh, some place you might have been before. It's actually where the R-Bar sits now. All right. Right there on Royal and Toro. Um, 
And so, yeah, he had his little grocery store there with his family. And uh, and uh, one of his daughters married a uh, well-meaning uh, gentleman who uh, ended up baking pies over at uh, Hubix back okay. before they were known for the hand pies. This would have been like Depression era, I guess, um, or a little after. And then, so my grandpa, like, grew up around that, like, in that store. And when he came back from the war, he was like, well, I want to live that kind of life, you know, in the, you know, be a small business owner and, you know, part of a tight-knit community, you know. So uh, he opened up a little corner grocery down in Pigeontown, uh, like Willow and Juliet. Um, and my dad grew up in the back of that store, and so he grew up, you know, around all that. Uh, he didn't go into it, but... My aunt did, his sister, uh, and she's actually uh, arguably the best uh, baker in, um, and cake maker up in Baton Rouge. Uh, oh, wow. She's a little baker called the Ambo- Ambrosia Bakery. Yes. So if you're up there, check that out. Uh, my little brother uh, kind of got bit by the sweet tooth, too, and he's a pastry chef. So uh, it's like so in the blood. There's something <laughs> yeah. about the sweet tooth that yeah. that calls to mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and I got I guess I got half of it because I kind of more enjoy savory foods myself, and I kind of consider chocolate to be more of a savory food, at least dark chocolate, which is kind of my big bag. Um, although now that I've gotten into the confectionery side, I kind of love uh, bringing those two aspects to meet in the middle. You know, kind of incorporating sweet and savory in such a way. Well, so I think that kind of is a really cool thought because, I, you know, we have our we have our ideas of this should be sweet, this should be savory. Mm-hmm. And then as, I would say probably over the last 15 years, I've noticed that just average people are starting to just kind of test the borders and the edges where maybe chefs and pastry chefs have been doing that for years, but now it's becoming more generally accepted. Mm. So when you're combining flavor profiles for one of your uh, chocolate confections, what, like, what's your thought process and how do you know what goes together and what does mm-hmm. not go together? Well, you got to try stuff out, you know, and then, you know, pardon the pun, but you got to go with your gut, obviously, you know, <laughs> you know what you like, you know what tastes good. Um, or sometimes you'll take inspiration from various things. Like I take inspiration from uh, everything from seasonality of ingredients. Uh, the slow food movement is a big part of everything I do. Um, and then cocktail culture, too. Uh, I was a, a bar manager at one point, you know, and, I really didn't like cocktails, but then I was tasked with, you know, coming up with a cocktail menu, and I kind of loved, like, playing with it, you know, having the R&D. Maybe I was just drunk. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, that's kind of fun, too, and sometimes I take inspiration from that being, you know, in New Orleans and all. Well, and, you know, I feel like chocolate kind of pairs with anything. You can have it just, you know, oh, I got home from work, Mm -hmm. had a rough day, or, oh, I have this beautiful coffee or Mm. this fabulous cocktail and what can I pair with it? Mm -hmm. So talk about some of the flavors that you're using Mm -hmm. and some of your creations and what we need to try. Mm. Well, I tell you what, I got a box here. We can bust that open. Yeah, I totally love to take a peek. Great examples of uh, some of the seasonal stuff I do, as well as some of the classic stuff I do, and And what kind of informs my creative process. I'm going to say that... um, these are gorgeous, and there is this just beautiful, vivid blue shell with little white flecks, and there's one that is chocolate with yellow. They look like they're, like, hand-painted. Oh, they are. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's talk about them. Yeah, sure. So first we got uh, 
uh, our blueberry goat cheese. I call it Weep Goat the Blues. I'm t- I really just started a chocolate company so that I can make puns and sell puns, <laughs> honestly. So Weep Goat the Blues to start off, and um, that's kind of my uh, part of our s- seasonal summer collection, and that features a uh, local organic blueberry caramel up on top uh, with a white chocolate goat cheese ganache underneath Ooh. on a little dark chocolate shell. Yeah. So whenever you came up with this one, mm-hmm. how many did you have to taste and try <laughs> till it was perfected? Quite a bit, especially because, you know, um, again, taking that slow food approach, I like to use real ingredients coming from real people, real places. So blueberries, they'll change, you know, uh, yeah. even within the season. Um and of course, year to year too. So this year versus last year is like a little bit different. You know, I had to kind of work on my toes a little bit to tweak it. That makes um, sense. Yeah. So what's the next one? So we're gonna go Man. through them all because mm-hmm. I have to decide which one <laughs> I'm gonna eat first and which one I'm gonna let the guys in the studio. <laughs> okay. Well, the second one we're gonna get into that sweet and savory thing. Um, this is our chanterelle spell, oh. and these are obviously featuring locally foraged chanterelle mushrooms. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, what is the flavor profile that you get when you add chanterelle with chocolate? Mushrooms. Okay. So is it <laughs> that yeah. I can't, it's just a depth of flavor? Is mm-hmm. it an earthy flavor? Is it a musty uh, yeah, flavor? Definitely earthy and musty. And, uh, but there's a little fruitiness to chanterelles, which is kind of why I decided to attempt it in the first place. That, and I'm luckily, uh, I'm lucky enough to know uh, a couple of purveyors of these mushrooms. Shout out to my homies, uh, J&D Mushrooms, uh, as well as my buddy out in Araby at uh, uh, Breathing Waters Farms, Jacob. Um, so yeah, they kind of approached me, uh, both of them last year around the same time, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to do something with them, you know, and, um, and I've always loved chanterelles, you know, and they've got kind of like a fruitiness to them. I've heard most people don't. say that they have, you know, I don't necessarily smell it because mm-hmm. I get like so excited. I'm like, ooh, Chantrell, let's cook this. <laughs> but um, some say it has a very, almost like an apricot mm, aroma if yeah. you break it open oh, and yeah, really for smell sure. it. Definitely. So that was kind of my inspiration for that, was treat it like a fruit. And so, yeah, absolutely. All right. And this other bright blue with like, like a pale blue and orange, mm-hmm. and it's a square, and they're so shiny and glossy oh, and pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is our uh, tiki bar. Oh, and wow. And this is the first, uh, the second two I brought there, uh, inspired by my little neighborhood gang there. Um, this one features roulets on rum, which is distilled right behind us, um, as well as uh, Bitterman's Tiki Bitters, local bitters company, in um, a dark chocolate ganache, in a dark chocolate shell. So uh, kind of paired with a fruitier uh, cacao kind of makes for a nice little tiki drink. Uh, I love yeah. it. And then the last one? Is and last but not least, we got our mulled apple cider caramel, which features the mulled apple cider mm. from next door at Broad Street Cider and Ale. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, it's kind of exciting. You think about... You know, remember those little boxes of chocolates you might have gotten for Valentine's Day and you like want to poke the bottom and see what's in it. Mm -hmm. Like these are so pretty that I feel like you either have to like be all in Mm -hmm. because someone's going to be mad at you if you leave this like half eaten beautiful chocolate. Or you have to be super sneaky and get underneath and, like, take a little peek mm-hmm. and then put it back in. <laughs> right, yeah. But, um, you know, it's 
it's just so fun to to try all the different flavors and to know that you can you can almost please everybody. Oh right? yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of people tell me, oh well, you know, it's like too pretty to eat. I say it's like you know, just just close your eyes, <laughs> just close your <laughs> eyes, and you know, just let it happen. So. Well, so that's an interesting thing because here mm-hmm. at WRBH, they'll, um, you know. They're, they do a fundraiser where, you know, it's like you're blindfolded and you want to taste things. So let's talk about if you were to do a blind taste test mm. of these truffles, mm-hmm. is there like a, um, a sequence you would follow? Kind of like mm-hmm. if you were doing a wine tasting and right. you, were, you were progressively tasting, mm-hmm. would you start with your fruity ones first mm-hmm. and then have people... Try to find the flavors. Yeah, that's an excellent question because it's it's very much relative. You know, like um, a general rule is you kind of follow the same general rules that you do with pairing other things, where you start lighter and go heavier. But that can mean a lot of different things. Um, so that can mean just going higher in the cacao percentage uh, would be kind of the most general way to look at it. Um, but then there are also like subtleties of flavor too, uh, especially if you're talking about just plain dark chocolate. Um, And so in that case, you might actually start off with something that's a higher cacao percentage, but has uh, some really subtle aromas uh, or flavors that are due more to aroma, uh, which might be like fruity or floral, um, and can, you know, kind of get muddled and lost if it's further down the line. Um, So yeah, it's pretty fun, interesting balancing act that goes on whenever you do a pairing or a so uh, I see tasting. this as a great, like, after the dinner party, uh-huh. get a, a nice, beautiful box and everybody sit around and kind of drink your last glass of wine and mm-hmm. and have fun talking about what you're tasting. Because I imagine everybody's palate is a little bit different mm-hmm. and different people will notice different things. For sure. Is there a common thread that every chocolate, when you eat it, this is what you're going to taste every time? Well... I guess that would depend on the person, okay. I guess, you know, and how uh, developed your palate is. Um, I actually, you know, spent a good number of years, you know, it's a, it's a real tough training that you have to go through eating chocolate <laughs> for many years uh, in order to get where you're at and where I'm at right now. Um, although it's interesting that you brought up the blindfold earlier. And when I first started uh, learning about chocolate making, that was actually an important part of my training. You know, as much as I joke about having to eat chocolate, that is part of it. And uh, I actually did do blind tastings in that way um, to kind of you know, train the palate to you know really pay attention. Uh, and one thing that kind of supplemented my love of cooking and art and science is uh, love of meditation. Mm-hmm. And the process of tasting a chocolate, you know, and like really giving it, you know, the respect it deserves kind of, uh, you know, requires a good bit of mindfulness. Right? I can see that. Yeah, like having to just, you know, don't worry about what else is going on and kind of just like give yourself that break um, to just, yeah, just I taste. I think we would all enjoy <laughs> life better if we (laughs) were in that moment with our chocolate and really Mm -hmm. just were mindful and purposeful about where the chocolate came from, what it tasted Mm -hmm. like, and how we feel after we eat it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. Well, so Chris, we, you know, for my listeners out there, we're talking to Chris Noble with Piety and Desire Chocolate. And probably at least three times you've commented on art and science. Mm. And I think that is kind of an important point because 
there's a science to mm-hmm. making the perfect right. chocolate, mm-hmm. right? And blending. And so how does that art and science collide and how do you balance it? Does mm-hmm. one like start to take over from the other? Yeah, it depends on which uh, process we're talking about, I guess, and what step of the process also kind of shifts you know, from beginning to end. Um, but I guess the main art part, when you're talking about manufacturing, uh, you know, most when you think about that, it doesn't sound very artistic. But there's so much relativity uh, in the chocolate manufacturing process. And in that science, there's a lot of room for interpretation um, where you got to kind of evaluate where you're at because um, there are just so many variables um, that can alter something from one batch to the next. So what are those variables? Is mm-hmm. it the humidity? Is it the fat content? Mm-hmm. Is it yeah, all that, the really. weather? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's all that. Um, and it all comes down to the fact that we're, you know, taking an agricultural product. You know, cacao is not only an agricultural product, but one that's fermented and dried, right? So a whole lot goes into just the precursors uh, for that before I ever even receive it. And from there, you know, you're talking about roasting something uh, to bring those flavors out initially. Um, And then once you've refined it down uh, in the process, uh, at the end stage, you have something called conching, which is a... uh, it's a process that's specific to chocolate making, and it's actually named for the conch shell because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was originally done in a machine that is shaped kind of like that. If you use your imagination, I guess that's where the art comes in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And when you're doing that, you know, that's kind of like the end stage where you're going to dial in the flavor. Um, and, you know, at that point, you know, you have all these metrics that you're using, um, but... In the end, you could find that, you know, well, maybe, you know, sure, you roasted the same amount of cacao based off of weight, but every bean is not the same, even if it all came from the same, even if it's a single varietal from a single origin, right? They're all different. Um, And just that's just one thing that could change everything. You know, you could have maybe, maybe in this batch, uh, 40% 40% of the beans were a smaller size as opposed to the batch before when 60% were of a smaller size. And, like, that's just one variable. That would change everything. So have you yeah. ever, you know, started a, a batch and then just had this, like, aha moment? Like, <laughs> the bulb went off and you go, oh, I have found it. <laughs> this is it. Right. What, have you ever had that well, moment? And what, what did you learn? Yeah. Well, not quite like that because um, we do a lot of small R&D batches first. Um, so it's more of a gradual aha. Okay. <laughs> it's more like, all right, well, let's try it here. Let's try it like this and that. And we'll kind of play with a few variables such as um, the cacao percentage, uh, the amount of cocoa butter uh, we add as part of the uh, cacao percentage. Um, and, yeah, and the amount of time that we conch it and such. And while we're actually conching um, larger commercial batches, you know, going along uh, and seeing how it changes uh, the first commercial batch we do, right? And that'll kind of give us a gauge for where we want to land from now on. Yeah. Well, so, I, you know, I feel like there's beautiful chocolates, there's delicious chocolates over at Piety and Desire. 
I imagine there is tremendous volume of chocolate. That <laughs> it's the kind of thing that we need to go back on a regular basis because mm-hmm. it changes by the season. Yeah, sure. So tell our listeners how they can find you when mm-hmm. you're open, where they can get your chocolates, because I imagine that there are a few people ready ready to roll for some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, you can find us down at uh, 2727 South Broad, and we're open at 2 to 7, 2 to Sat. Uh, Tuesday to Saturday, or by appointment, because I know those are kind of weird hours, and it's because we're usually there, like, actually making the chocolate in the same space that we're selling it at. So we usually try to sit outside that time, you know, in the morning, early part of the day, but we're usually there. So you can give us a call if it's outside of that time. Um, we also have an online store, um, although that's about to close for the summer. Because um, it's too because hot to ship. Yes, <laughs> although if you are local, you know, that's it'll remain open for that as well. Um and you can also give us a call. Just Google it. You'll find us. <laughs> do y'all do customs chocolates at all? Yes, we okay. do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is also an opportunity. Um, I'm a big fan of like a thank you gift, mm-hmm. giving somebody a little something. Right. And this seems like a great thank you gift. And for businesses out there, mm-hmm. I know even in the heat of the summer to think Christmas presents, mm-hmm. you know, like it's ridiculous, but... Mm. Some, there are some businesses that are pre-ordering their gifts for clients now. Mm-hmm. Is that something that y'all are going to be doing? Like if somebody oh, wanted yeah. to order like a bunch of boxes as gifts and things oh, yeah. like that? That's been a big part of our business for since the beginning, actually. Um, as a matter of fact, I made the mistake of opening for retail, you know, in November a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> God, Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, we definitely do that. Well, is there anything that we hadn't talked about that you want to tell everybody out there, something that you want to share? We have just a couple minutes, and I want to make sure we got everything that Mm -hmm. you want people to know about Piety and Desire. Let's see. As far as, like, upcoming events and stuff, it is a slower time, so we don't have a ton of stuff. We have um, – there is some big news, actually, that will be coming out soon, but – we haven't signed papers and stuff on these so we're things yet. Teasing the big news. Yeah, so, we'll, so you should so follow you heard us it here. <laughs> yeah, follow us at at Piety Desire Chalk. You know, at, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, however, I can tell you we do have the um, third of our chocolate and cider pairings uh, coming up soon uh, in a couple of weeks at Broad Street Center, and we also are going to be. Uh, revisiting our collaboration with uh, Parlo Beer Lab. Um, during Carnival time, we did a, a nice chocolate stout called uh, the Chacas. Okay. And I just found out we're kind of revisiting that. They barrel-aged some of it and added some lactobacillus. And so a nice sour stout that they're going to rest on some more nibs to make it even more chocolatey, um, but with a sour bent which I'm super excited about. And that'll be more in the fall when that comes out. But Well, yeah. it sounds like things are going really well, and yeah, there's sure. lots of fun stuff happening with chocolate. And mm-hmm. I am so happy to have met you, Chris Noble. <laughs> so for my listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. We had Chris Noble with Piety and Desire Chocolate here in the studio. I'm Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.